Welcome to TW Now, where we examine today's news in light of the Bible. I'm Scott Winnale. World peace. What does that phrase make you think of? Is world peace just a fiction or a pipe dream? Is world peace an idea everyone talks about, but no one believes can happen? About 30 years ago, shortly after the fall of the Berlin Wall and Russia's new openness stance, world peace seemed just a little bit more attainable. Now, well into the 21st century, world war again seems possible, and world peace feels like it will never come. Humanity has proven that it cannot usher in world peace on its own, yet the Bible reveals that world peace will come. It even reveals the details of that coming world peace. Do you want to know what the coming world peace will be like? Today, our returning guests will discuss this coming world peace and will, what it will actually be like. And they'll use the Bible and the Biblical Feast of Tabernacles to shed light on this important subject. I'd like to welcome back Dr. Douglas Winnale, who's in the studio with us today. Thank you. <clears throat> Dr. Winnale is a minister and a former theology faculty member. He's also a Tomorrow's World writer who has written articles that relate to today's topic, including How Will the Earth Be Restored and The Coming of Jesus Christ. Dr. Richard Franz, welcome, sir. Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Dr. Franz is a minister, a pastor, and a Bible teacher. He's also a Tomorrow's World writer who has written commentaries and articles related to this topic as well, two of which include Just How Will It All End and Human Trafficking. Dr. Franz is joining us via Skype from St. Louis. Thank you very much again, gentlemen, for being here, and I'm looking forward to our discussion today. For our viewers, today's program is being pre-recorded because we're currently away from the office celebrating the annual Feast of Tabernacles. And because of this, we'll be unable to take your live questions today. We do, though, encourage you to go ahead and subscribe, like, and share today's program. Okay, let's go ahead, gentlemen, and we'll jump into this. Dr. Franz, we'll begin with you. <coughs> What is the Biblical Feast of Tabernacles, and how does it fit within God's plan for mankind? The Biblical Feast of Tabernacles pictures the return of Jesus Christ and His rule on this earth. Uh, the, the real mode of this world getting to a, a place of peace. But I think it's important to uh, explain that the Feast of Tabernacles is a feast of God's. It's not of any sect or denomination. It's, it's a biblical feast, and it's identified as the Lord's feast, not as the feast of something else or somebody else. But it pictures, again, the return of Jesus Christ, and he will bring peace to this earth like it's never seen before. Dr. Winnell, what do you have to add to that description of the Feast of Tabernacles? Well, I think it's good just to <clears throat> understand the big picture, that the Feast of Tabernacles is one of four fall holy days that uh, the first one would be the Feast of Trumpets that actually pictures the return of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of the saints. And then the Day of Atonement, which is the binding or putting away of Satan. And then comes the Feast of Tabernacles, which pictures in a thousand year reign of the saints on this earth. Uh, <clears throat> it's gonna be a very exciting time. You know, many people today think that when you die, you go to heaven. Uh, this is the basically the message of uh, professing Christians, Catholics, and whatever. And yet Edward Gibbon, who was a historian writing towards the, in the 1800s, and he's not a real fan of Christianity. 
And yet he said one of the fundamental beliefs of the early Christian church was that they were looking forward to the reign of the saints for a thousand years on this earth. He said this was the driving message of the church for the first two or three centuries. And then he says, until, thanks to our learned divines, theologians, uh, it was categorized as only an allegory. In other words, it's about some deeper message. And then basically dis, uh, discarded as a heresy. Mm. So we don't hear about the Feast of Tabernacles. We don't hear about the reign of Jesus Christ and the saints on this earth. And yet in Daniel chapter 2 and also Daniel chapter 7, verse 27, it says the kingdom is going to be given to the saints. And they're going to reign then, as we read in Revelation 20, for a thousand years. And that is a very exciting period of time that we're going to be talking about. Mm. And it's interesting, the, <clears throat> the, the message that Jesus Christ came preaching was the good news, the gospel message of the coming kingdom of God. And yet the world, uh, it still is a mystery to them. Uh, Christ spoke in parables, and they were to keep it a mystery to most of the world. And, and it is. Most of the world isn't cognizant of what their future holds. And although we go through some difficult times, uh, Dr. Wynell mentioned the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement. But when Christ puts his feet on this earth and he steps on the Mount of Olives, uh, he will start to reign and rule this earth. And, and peace will then uh, reach every corner of the earth. Dr. Wynell, you mentioned just a minute ago that uh, Christ and the saints are going to reign on the earth and that many do have that concept that it's actually the kingdom is going to be in heaven. Can you think of a scripture that makes it clear <coughs> that the saints are going to reign on the earth and not in heaven? A number of scriptures, uh, as Dr. Franz just mentioned, in Zechariah 14 is talking about end time periods. It says his feet are going to stand on the Mount of Olives. So he's coming back and he's going to reign from there. And then towards the end of Zechariah 14, it says the nation that does not go up to Jerusalem and keep the Feast of Tabernacles is not going to get any rain. Now that's not some heavenly analogy. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it says on this earth. Uh, in Matthew 19, the last couple of verses in that chapter, Jesus was talking with his disciples. And he said that you are going to sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So this is what they were looking for. And when they asked Christ in, Ma in uh, Acts chapter 1, are you going to set up the kingdom now at this time? They said, no, not at this time. But the reason they were excited is because he had told them, you're going to reign sitting on thrones over the 12 tribes of Israel. And they were looking forward to that. And they were, they were still carnal at that time. They were, mm. they, they were looking for a physical reward. And he said, no, not at this time. Also in Revelation 5 and verse 10, it talks about we're going to become kings and priests. Now, a king is a civil leader. A priest is a religious leader. So we're going to become kings and priests and reign on this earth. So these are not analogies. These are not allegories. Mm -hmm. This is what Jesus Christ was saying. And as Gibbon mentions, this is what the early church was excited about. Not floating off to heaven and sitting on a cloud, playing a harp and trying to, you know, walking on streets of gold and stuff like that up in heaven. Christ is coming back here. Mm -hmm. He's coming back here. And that's what they were excited about. And frankly, that's what I'm excited about, too. <laughs> <laughs> I never got into the, the sitting on a cloud thing. It just didn't make sense to me. 
No. I don't think it doesn't make sense to a lot of other people either. Mm -hmm. Well, again, the plain teachings of Jesus Christ, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, in the book of Matthew, he plainly states, uh, blessed are the meek, uh, they'll inherit the earth, uh, not go to heaven. Uh, heaven and earth are, are going to be separate, and Jesus Christ will be here. And like Dr. Wynell said, uh, his disciples were promised to uh, sit on 12 thrones ruling over the tribes of Israel. Uh, the parable of the talents <coughs> talks about those that are profitable, those that are productive in this life, those that are being called uh, by the Father to Jesus Christ, have an opportunity to qualify for positions in that kingdom, helping and serving this world in the future and, and beyond. You know, one of the tragedies today, and many studies have shown this, that while even religious people, uh, the studies have shown that many people, even religious people, are biblically illiterate. That's not an insult. It's just what studies have shown. In other words, many people, uh, professing Christians, are aware of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Now they know that, but the scriptures going to be talking about today that we will mention are scriptures in the Old Testament, the New Testament, that talk about this coming kingdom of God. Uh, I never read some of these scriptures and I grew up in a Protestant church. Uh, I heard about going to heaven and I heard that God loves you. But in terms of a physical kingdom on this earth, reigning according to the laws of God, living according to those that are actually designed to help restructure the earth, restore the earth, uh, these were never touched on. This was all kind of ethereal type of things, but it wasn't real. So let's go there. <clears throat> Dr. Franz, why don't you get us started? Let's talk about some of these scriptures that the Feast of Tabernacles and frankly the keeping of the Feast of Tabernacles every year as God commanded remind us of. What are some of these scriptures that give us insight into this coming <coughs> kingdom of God on the earth and the peace that it will bring with us? Well in your mono opening monologue you talked about the, the peace and uh, the peace that we have not experienced in Isaiah chapter 2 the first few verses it talks about beating their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Uh, weapons, military armaments won't be used anymore. Instead, uh, they'll be used for agriculture and for production. It's interesting, one of the countries that has the uh, low-end population, they're not percentage-wise, they don't have a large population, but they use more of their population for military strength than any other country on the world, and that is North Korea. Uh, the majority of the homes lack proper heating, lighting, and indoor plumbing. Uh, the majority of their, their uh, citizens are either malnourished or undernourished. Their children even have stunted growth. So one of the things we look forward to in the coming reign of Jesus Christ is that won't happen anymore. We won't learn war anymore. Man will be at peace, and it will be peace mandated and given through Jesus Christ. Dr. Winnell. In terms of peace... You know, we live in a very violent world today and it seems like it's getting even worse. Uh, human beings have tried to bring peace. Just looking at modern history, uh, in 1928, 1929, there was an agreement called the Kellogg-Briand uh, Agreement. It was the uh, United States Secretary of State and a French foreign minister. And they had about 62 nations sign this agreement that they would not uh, fight anymore. 
They were basically outlawing and agreeing to outlaw war. Now the Japanese signed that, the French signed it, the Germans signed it, the Americans signed it, the Australians signed it, and uh, 10 years later, we were in World War II. It did not work. It did not work. They tried to establish a League of Nations. It didn't work. We have United Nations today. It didn't work to bring peace. Recently, the Pope has uh, signed an agreement with a major imam in Abu Dhabi, I think it was. And the idea was fraternity has got to uh, come to the fore. We've got to get rid of uh, discrimination and so on. And they're going to be building, I think, what they call the Abrahamic House in Abu Dhabi. They're going to have a, a synagogue, a chapel, and a mosque. And mm. this is man's attempt, again, to get the religions together to bring peace. It just hasn't worked. But Isaiah recorded a prophecy in Isaiah 59 and verse 8. It says, they, talking about human beings, do not know the way to peace. Now that's what history basically shows. And yet in Psalm 119, verse 165, David said, great peace have they who love thy law. You know, when the world begins to be focused, as Jesus Christ is going to do, on living according to the laws of God, where you don't kill, you don't steal, you don't lust, you don't covet, uh, you don't do those things. This is the way to peace, learning to live by the laws of God. Uh, and this is part of the challenge that we have, or that we will have in the coming kingdom of God. The whole world is going to have to be taught how to do things God's way. Mm -hmm. But once they see it working, once this, <clears throat> the government of Jesus Christ is put in place, uh, once things begin to come to fruition, it says in Isaiah ver chapter 2 and verse 3, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and will walk in his paths. I read that there's a sense of excitement. Come on, let's go. Let's go learn this way. Look how well it's working for these people. Let's go keep the Feast of Tabernacles, like it talks about. And even <clears throat> Egypt eventually will keep the Feast of Tabernacles. But right now, like Dr. Wynell just said, the way of peace is not known to man. We, we're trying to do things apart from God. We have Jesus Christ, God the Father, in their plan, gave us 6,000 years to do it our way, to see how that works. And out of that 6,000 years, there's a slim few that, 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 that mankind hasn't been at war in one way or another. And when this peace comes to this earth, it'll just, like it does for us today, it'll wow mankind and they'll be, they'll be uh, biting at the bit to go and learn from Jesus Christ himself and from those that Jesus Christ put in authority over the people of the earth. You know, it also mentioned Isaiah chapter 3, and I would encourage our listeners to, to read Isaiah chapter 2, especially verses 2, 3, 4. It mentions in verse 3, it says, For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people, and they will beat their swords into plowshares. But the point I want to make is the law of God is going to go forth from Jerusalem. The people are told today, oh, you can't keep the law, and the law is a burden, and yet John mentions in, in 1 John that uh, the law is not a burden. It's a blessing. It's a law of liberty. You know, if you know your neighbor is not going to commit adultery with your wife, that's a relief. If you know your neighbor is not going to steal your car out of your garage when you go to bed, that's a relief. When you know your neighbor is not going to be shooting through your window, that's a relief. 
It's a law of liberty. So when this law goes forth from Jerusalem and people are taught there is a way, again, people are told today that, well, there's no absolutes. You know, you just got to make up your own mind about what's right and wrong. That's a lie. That's a lie that's been fostered basically by Satan the devil, but he's used human instruments to promote that. So the law of God is really a law of liberty. You know, David is going to be the king over Israel in the coming kingdom of God. You cannot read through Psalm 119 and come away with the idea that David didn't like God's law. He said, I love your law. Show me the, the wondrous things in your law. And when this is done for the whole world, people are going to realize, you mean that religion I had didn't work? It wasn't right? No, it wasn't right. But that, that's, that's not polite to say today. It's not politically correct. But the time is going to come whenever Jesus Christ is in charge and he's going to say, this is the way, walk you in it. I don't want to. Yes, you'll find it works. <laughs> and we're so, it's, we have it backwards in this world. In Isaiah thirty twenty, it says, your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. Our school system today, our, our, the schools themselves are, are almost killing fields. Uh, the way that the policies are set up. We read that verse and a lot of times we, we look at that and we think the students aren't going to be rebellious to the teachers. Well, they are now, but even the policies that they have. Uh, th it's interesting, some of the school districts that are across this world, across this country rather, in the United States of America, uh, they, they don't report the students that commit misdemeanors to the, to the police officers. Uh, they want to curb students going to jail or having a criminal record. Uh, that's moving the teachers into a corner. The teachers have to put up with this and they have uh, paperwork to do that takes them away from the real objective of their day and that is teaching the students that are before them. And without, a without arresting students for misdemeanors, what does that do to background checks uh, for weapons? So it really is, it's a, it's a coming of age that this piece that we're talking about will, will go not only throughout the land, but it's going to be where it needs to be probably as much as anywhere else, and that's going to be our school system. And again, the, the teaching of God's law is what is going to be being taught. That's a powerful idea about teachers not being backed into corners anymore. As you both know, part of my background is in public education in this country. And one of my former colleagues actually was a public high school teacher for a number of years in a, in a difficult district. And they actually gave her a pay bonus labeled combat pay. Wow. Because the school that she taught in was so rough and so dangerous. <clears throat> and that's it, not unusual in no. this country. No. You know, we've been talking a lot about um, human beings and peace in that way. Uh, the environmental problems that are developing in this world today uh, people are trying to solve those. Uh, we're not going to solve these problems on our own. And yet if you start reading through some of the prophecies about the coming kingdom of God, in Isaiah 35, it's talking there about the wilderness and the wasteland will be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like a rose. It talks about uh, no more fear that blindness is going to be eliminated. Uh, a lot of health problems are going to be eliminated. But this is what's going to happen when Christ returns. We begin teaching people how to live. You know, Adam and Eve were told in the garden to dress and keep the garden, to, to take care of it, to dress it, to keep it, to beautify it. 
Uh, that's not what we're doing today. Uh, we're destroying it. In the Amazon, we're destroying uh, all kinds of things, polluting everything. Uh, you know, you can't break the laws of nature or the laws of God and expect things to work. Uh, we've got to learn how to manage the earth. There are laws that govern uh, how the earth operates. Uh, we've got to learn to live within those. And as we do, the environment's going to be restored. You know, the Jews have gone into uh, the area around Israel over there. It's desert today. I think the Turks destroyed a lot of the forest over there at one time. It used to be more forested. You know, you're reading the, the Bible about David killing a lion. No lions over there today. <laughs> uh, the forests are gone. The habitat is gone. Uh, the Romans destroyed a lot of large creatures because they killed so many in the Colosseums for entertainment. They literally destroyed things. But as we learn to take care of the environment, you know, you clear cut a forest and it takes about 20, 30, 40 years for it to grow back to a mature forest. So it takes time to do these things. Um, this is what we're going to be seeing in the coming world tomorrow, in this coming kingdom of God, as pictured by the Feast of Tabernacles. It's, it's, uh, it's refreshing to read. And, and again, Isaiah 35, just to go back over what Dr. Ronell just said, the waters will burst forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. Today, dry lands take up over 40% of the Earth's surface. It affects more than a billion, li uh, billion lives and their livelihood. And we are deforesting or, or causing drought uh, and with inappropriate uh, agriculture to over 46,000 square miles every year we do this to the environment. So like Dr. Wendell said, we're not care <clears throat> of the environment. And it's something that we're going to have to learn. It's going to have to be taught in God's kingdom in tomorrow's world because it affects so many people. Now we have poor nutrition. We don't have the agriculture to support the population that's there. And it's because of man's greed that we're doing these kind of things. We're not able to care for things. We're doing it our way. And we, we don't really want God's interference right now. But that'll change. Let me ask a quick question. <clears throat> I want to come back to this concept. You, you both keep hitting on over and over. Is in God's kingdom, people are going to be keeping God's law. Now, if, if I look at that from the perspective of many in the world and critics of the Bible and religion and Christianity, I think many people will say, well, look, you've got, the, you've got Britain who in, under the empire took Christianity and the Bible to all kinds of parts of the world. Uh, the United States is still probably the most Christian nation on the face of the earth. More people pray in this nation than any other nation on the face of the earth right now, or, speech, or at least uh, developed nations. Haven't these nations kept the law of God? They've, they've talked about the Bible. They've, they've printed the Bible in hundreds of languages. And you're talking about the law of God being kept in, in the kingdom of God. Has it, hasn't it already proven itself not to work? It's very interesting when you look at history that the missionaries that came out from Britain and other places they brought a version of Christianity. In the case of the Brits, uh, they brought Christianity, quote unquote, to China. The missionaries got off one side of the boat and guys selling um, um, opium? opium got off the other side of the boat. And the Chinese are saying, well, what, what, what gives? You're, you're giving me a Bible and you're giving me opium. Uh, they were making money. They did convey certain fundamental principles. But you know, today, uh, you go to Britain, 
and some of the missionaries that went out to Africa and some of these other places are coming back to Britain to convert the mother country back to what they were taught years ago. You know, we are going to face the music, not only in Britain and America, but Canada and Australia and other places, because we've drifted away from fundamental principles. And most of them were not preaching at that time about a coming kingdom of God, that Christ was going to come back on this earth. It was about going off to heaven. It was a very different message. Um, I want to come back to um, a little bit more about the uh, coming kingdom of God in Isaiah chapter 11. And a lot of our young people get excited whenever we read these verses. It talks about the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Now wolves normally uh, eat lambs. This is the time is coming. It's a peaceful kingdom. When the wolf will also dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. Again, they normally eat them. But the time is coming when the nature apparently of these animals is going to be changed. It says the cow and the bear shall graze together. <laughs> And the young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw with an ox, and the nursing child will play in a cobra's hole, and a weaned child will put his hand in a viper's den. They'll not hurt nor destroy. It's going to be a time whenever a child can play with a lion. I've been on safari a couple times in, uh, in, uh, <clears throat> in Africa, and uh, we were t I asked the guide one time, I said, does anybody ever get hurt? He said, yeah, a guy went over to that tree and he was smoking a cigarette and a leopard just dropped out of the tree and got him. Um, mm. I've seen other cases where an elephant got upset with a car that was driving through the uh, game preserve and just pushed it over. Uh, these animals are going to be natured differently at that time. Now, some people will say these are just stories. But the Bible says it. And it indicates this is what's going to happen. So some th changes are going to happen. But it's going to be a very exciting period of time. It's going to be a very exciting period of time. They're truly, the, uh, the ferocious and the feeble will live at peace with one another. We, we just look forward to the day. Uh, Dr. Wynell opened up with a lot of the, our young folks get excited about those verses. I think we all do. Uh, as kids, we might have dreamt about petting tigers and lions riding an elephant, swimming with dolphins, and maybe even whales. Uh, all of that will be possible. Not only is the, is the psyche of mankind, the way mankind operates, but all of nature is going to be changed. Every, every living thing on earth is going, to be, is going to live in harmony, but it's going to be under God's law. It's going to be under the, Jesus, the rule of Jesus Christ on this earth. It can't be then any other way. Uh, the world thinks that it has Christianity. And one of the telling statements that Jesus said was, why do you call me Lord, Lord? and not do the things that I say. Why would he say that? On the Mount of Olives, on Olivet Prophecy, Matthew 24, several times he talks about deception, that the world is deceived, and we know the great deceiver, Revelation 12, 9. Satan, the devil, deceives the whole world. We, we refuse to look at that, and we say, well, that's not me. It reminds me of the guy at the stop sign. Well, that stop sign's not my, for me, that's for everybody else. I'm not under that sway. But the world is, and we so much look forward to when Satan is taken out of the way and the millennial reign of Jesus Christ is on this earth again. And we pray God speed the day. You know, you mentioned about this, this idea that these laws are not for us. I remember a story my mom used to tell me about my grandfather. And this goes back into the 20s, 1920s, that uh, there was a Y where the road divided. 
and they wound up putting a stop sign there, but that was after he had learned to drive. And he never stopped at the stop sign because he said, I was here before the stop sign. I don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but these laws are here for our benefit. They're here for our good. I want to point out another scripture in Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 8. It's talking about a time that's coming. It says, He shall swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. There's a time when God is going to do away with tears. Uh, do away with death. When you think about what's happening in the world today uh, with the disease, you know, when people die, they get cancer, this or that, it's, it's a very traumatic experience. Uh, whenever war breaks out, you know, civilians are killed, and the sons and daughters of people that fight in the war are killed, they're lost. Um, the crime that exists today, I was listening to an interview of what's happening down on the border between America and Mexico. And when we send people back to Mexico, they're dropped off at places where <clears throat> there are criminals that want to capture these people and then sell them for a bribe or something. So they, they're brought over there, dropped off, and as soon as they walk out the door, somebody grabs them and kidnaps them. And this is the world we live in today, the corruption that is there when families split apart with divorce, it leaves children in anger and frustration. Um, this is the world that is living not according to the laws of God. And when this That's changes, when this changes, people, tears are going to stop. One of the, uh, in Isaiah 35, 10, it says, the captives will return to Jerusalem singing and uh, the sorrow and sorrow will flee. You know, the, the FBI, uh, Dr. Wynnell alluded to this, that people are being kidnapped and taken. The FBI says human trafficking is believed to be the third largest criminal activity in the world. There's more slavery today, existing today, uh, and on and the market, the black market for human beings than there was for the 400 years that the, that, uh, the white man was, was going over to Africa and, and picking up slaves and bringing them to their own, own lands. That's an amazing statistic when we think that here we are in the 21st century. Truly, we're more, use the word evolved than that. We're more sophisticated than that. But the truth of the matter is that we're not. Until human nature changes, until we're taught the right way, mankind is going to continue to fly downhill. And we know things from Bible prophecy. We know things get worse before they get better. I'd like to mention another scripture in Micah chapter 4, Micah chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It talks about in the coming kingdom of God that everyone is going to have his own vine and fig tree. In other words, private property is going to be there. Uh, that's not real popular today as everybody wants to become socialist and the government wants to run everything. And yet what we are ignorant of today is the lessons of history. When the English came over and settled or tried to start a colony in Jamestown, everything was to be in common. And they found out it didn't work because some were working and some didn't work, but they all expected to eat. <laughs> so they had to change. When the pilgrims came over, uh, they wanted to have everything in common. And again, that didn't work until they began giving everybody their own little plot and then everybody worked to take care of their own plot. There's a principle there. You know, socialism and communism has failed in Russia, has failed other places. Uh, and again, capitalism tends to exploit some people, which does have its problems. But 
the biblical principle is that everybody is to have his own vine and fig tree, learn to take care of it, learn to be responsible, uh, learn how to use it so that it bears fruit, how to manage it properly. These are just some of the fundamental principles that we're going to be dealing with and seeing applied in the coming kingdom of God, which is pictured every year by the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, I think one final comment, Dr. Franz. Well, it's, it's interesting that we'll sit under the uh, every man will sit under a vine, his own vine and fig tree. Uh, that is, I think, very descriptive of the peace that will be on this earth during the millennial reign. The people, none will make them afraid. The people won't live in fear anymore. And they'll be able to have those moments of relaxation and look at the, the, the fruit of their harvest and be able to enjoy themselves. No more bars on windows and locks on doors, oh, huh? Truly. Well, gentlemen, I think we've given our audience a, a taste of, a, a foretaste of the coming world peace that God has for millennia prophesied in the pages of his Bible. We do need to wind this down. And Dr. Winnell, I'd like to start with you. Can you leave our audience with a take-home message or a take-home idea? They've heard lots of things today about not only the Feast of Tabernacles, but the peace that it pictures. What do you want our audience to take away from this conversation today? What I'd like our audience to take away is that what we have been talking about is the gospel. It is the gospel that Jesus Christ brought to this earth. You know, we're told in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, that Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And he said, repent and believe the gospel. In other words, get rid of all these other crazy ideas and focus on the gospel, the coming kingdom of God that we can qualify to be in. We can learn how to live God's way of life now so that we can again be able to teach this to all mankind in the coming future. That's the gospel. That's what excited the early church for the first several centuries. That's what's been lost over the succeeding centuries. But what we're trying to do today is restore that gospel and preach that to the entire world. Okay, thank you. Dr. Franz. I'd like to address the majority of our audience, the viewers on Facebook and YouTube that are not part of our church, uh, not part of God's church, the living church of God. I'd like to encourage them uh, to understand, if they're understanding the things that we're talking about today, or if they watch this program every week and they're beginning to understand this, I'd encourage them to pursue uh, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have Tomorrow's World website uh, and programs and publications. Uh, the Living Church of God is their sponsors. We have a 24 lesson Bible correspondence course. It says in Matthew 6:25 that life is more than food or clothing. But yet this world, we're so caught up in the hustle and bustle of making a living and and doing the things that we believe are right, uh, but it's it's without fruit. It's without uh, it's without end unless we put purpose and meaning behind it. So if if that's a foreign concept to you that life is more than just food and clothing, uh, become try to become part of this work um, by by studying more and getting involved with the education with the free material that we have online for you. Dr. Franz, thank you for your comments, and thank you for being back on the program with us today. My pleasure. Dr. Winnell, thank you as well for your comments and your insights. You're welcome. This is exciting. Yes. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> you know, most of us really do yearn for true and lasting world peace, don't we? We, we wonder when it will come. We wonder how it will come. <clears throat> but given the world that we live in today, 
and the constant disappointments we view in the news every day, you're not alone if you've given up on such a fanciful notion. The encouraging news is that the Bible really does paint a picture of what world peace will be like when Jesus Christ finally returns and rules the earth in righteousness and peace and mercy. And the biblical festival of the Feast of Tabernacles, long foretold in the Bible, is an annual reminder of what this coming world peace will be like. Today's program began to broach the subject of true peace and lasting peace that will one day break out on the earth. If you'd like to find out more, we invite you to read or listen to our booklet, The World Ahead, What It Will Be Like. And it's available, you can read it, you can listen to it, you can download it from our website at tomorrowsworld.org. World Peace, What It Will Be Like. This booklet helps paint an even more vivid picture of what we have to look forward to as outlined in the pages of your own Bible. We encourage you to continue joining us each week on TW Now. Next week, we plan to examine the question, will your loved ones live again? As we discuss the biblical festival of the last great day and its meaning. We invite you also to be sure to subscribe, to like, to share today's program, and you can download the podcast of the program today using your favorite podcast app. Just search for TW Now in that app. We'll look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the program.